Okay, quiet on the set, everybody. Stand by. Roll camera. Speed. Roll sound. Speed. Market. And cue talent. Hello and welcome to another episode of This Week in Production. I am your host, Art Aldridge, and this is the first episode of 2020. Yay! Or boo, depends on how you look at things. Um, I guess I'm glad. It doesn't really make a difference to me that it's 2020, start of a new year. I don't get all tied up in, you know, that clean slate, you know, proclamations, declarations, you know, I'm pretty much even even keeled centered all the time so you know new year's no big deal to me there's one piece of podcast business i want to get out in the beginning of this podcast and that is the hotline i would love to get feedback via the voicemail box the google voicemail i've set up and that phone number is 601-564-8947 you call it, it picks up, you just leave a message, and then I can use that message on the podcast. So I'd love to hear feedback of any kind. You can also send a email this week in production at gmail.com. But one of my objectives for this year is to get more feedback from the audience. So indulge me a little bit, please. Give me some feedback. I do have a few pieces of kit coming in this month, January 2020, that I've been waiting for. One of those is a new fiber optic based uh, camera control system for my Panasonic RoboCams. I'm um, getting into fiber optics and uh, some interfaces to provide power and baseband video and network on a single cable. It's a cleaner. I've got some cable reels. I've got some transport stuff. Just going to make my my kit much more friendly for traveling and for setup. I like it clean. I don't want to have, you know, cables and and just mess. I don't I don't like mess. So I ordered a uh, a system. It's a Fieldcast fiber. I think they're based in in Norway or somewhere over in Europe, and I've been waiting for it for for months. I I ordered it in October. There was some delays. It was supposed to be here in November, December. Now they're saying January. I've got jobs booked for that uh, rig. I'd like to have the the pieces in place so I can fax them out, test them. You know how that goes with new, new gear. You always want to be prepared. So that's arriving hopefully in January, hopefully before the gig that I'm supposed to be using it on, but we'll have to see. More importantly than my fiber optic camera control system is my Mac Pro. If you remember episode 19, that was back at the end of November. I talked about you know the Mac Pro and Apple, and it's been a love-hate relationship, and I was frustrated that the Mac Pro We knew it was going to be for sale, but they didn't release any specs. You couldn't configure it. You couldn't see what options were going to be available or pricing or anything that should have been available, even if the machine wasn't for sale. It wasn't like they didn't know what it was going to cost. But that was was then. 
That was back at the end of November. And on December 10th, they finally published the specs, the configurations you could put an order in. And I did. I started looking at all the specs. I'm sure everyone went and checked it out. Uh, I was watching some of um, the Mac Final Cut bloggers. I was listening to their coverage and their live uh, blogging about it. And, you know, I wanted so badly to put an order in for a machine, but I was uncertain as to what system to get how much performance I was going to gain. I struggled with what to configure the system with, what options were needed, how much performance was I going to get for the price. I really wanted to order it before the end of the year. I looked at all the pricing and the configurations. Some stuff was, was more apparent than others, but I'll tell you the system that I decided to go for. I went with a 16-core machine, Eight was the base, and then you stepped up 12, 16, 24, 28 cores. 28 cores was going to add $7,000 to the price of the machine. I have not seen a lot of improvement in, you know, more cores based on other machines that I've had in the past. So I figured two grand more for the 16 core was going to be worth it. $7,000 was not. So I did 16 core. Um, the memory, I went 48 gigabytes, mainly because I wanted to get six chips in, in uh, six banks in the memory. There's some speed gain when you spread the memory over six memory banks as opposed to the four banks in the base. I didn't think 96 was going to make a big difference. And of course, if you wanted to max it out, it was going to be like an additional 10 grand. And I figured, hey, if I wanted to add more RAM later, like it's if people are saying it's making a difference, I can order a third-party RAM from Crucial or OWC or any number of places at less than what Apple would charge. And then you get down to the graphics, and I, I was very hesitant to spend a lot of money on the Vega 2 cards. Again, not knowing how much speed performance was going to be gained with them. Um, I decided to only go in the, not the base card, which is the Radeon 580. I skipped that. I went to the next level, which was the single Vega 2 with 32 gigabytes of RAM. That added $2,400 to the price. That would be a good card to start with. If people are reporting that a dual card is going to make your machine faster, then I'll, I'll get a dual card. But I also was hesitant because I saw that it says on Apple's page, coming soon, Radeon Pro 5700X. And if that card is faster, which you would think it would be, then I would just add that card when the time came to do so. Running out the storage, I went with a terabyte of internal storage. I don't use my internal boot drive for anything other than booting and apps, things like that. So anything the system needs, a terabyte, is more than enough. Though I am considering adding uh, an SSD card. So OWC does have this Excelsior M2 RAID. 
and it's a card, it will hold four NVMe SSDs. So eight terabytes on a card that sits in the Mac Pro, and that, that would give me like an eight terabyte fast internal storage, like if I was working on one project. And the only reason that I would consider this, because if, if you do anything in Final Cut right now, you know that drawing thumbnails and waveforms can take time, especially when you make changes. So my theory is that if you had a fast SSD on the system, and this is a fast, this is like 6,000 megabytes per second throughput because you rated zero across all four. And again, I'm not looking at it for long-term uh, storage. This is fast current project editing. I think this would be a good fit. And it's 1600 bucks for eight terabytes. And I think that's going to be a good solution. I may add that into my system. So that's one thing I'm considering uh, third party to do with uh, the expansion, because of course you've got lots of expansion in the Mac Pro. And then lastly, I put in an Afterburner card. I feel that this is going to be the biggest boost in my workflow, because I do a lot of ProRes, and this Afterburner card is basically tuned to decode ProRes. Now, I wasn't really sure how much decoding of ProRes burdens the system down, but obviously if Apple's putting a card in, like the Red Rocket, if they're making a card to decode ProRes, it's probably pretty substantial in terms of uh, burden to the processor, the CPU. So I'm hopeful for $2,000 that that's going to really speed up my workflow. And then rounding out my system, I went with, yes, don't judge me, two XDR displays. I use two 5K screens now. I like the 5K size. I like having dual displays. I like having my, my uh, timeline on one screen and my browser on the other. This is going to give me substantially more screen real estate. I even like the ability to rotate the display 90 degrees. If I'm doing something like I just want a tall browser, I might rotate that screen 90 and work that way. So yes, the two Pro XDR displays, $5,000 each. That's for standard glass. My edit suite is dark. I didn't see the need to spend an additional $1,000 per screen for the, the nano textured glass, which is supposed to cut reflections down. So I did two standard glass displays with the two Pro stands. So basically $6,000 each. And that's my system. That's about $25,000 for the Mac Pro and the two displays plus the Apple Care. I think the whole thing was about 25,000 and change. I didn't do it as a purchase. I thought about it, you know, with the Apple card and Apple offering 6% back. I don't know if it still is that or it was for Christmas, but 6% off that system would be some nice cash. But the Apple card limits don't seem to be at least the people I've spoken to. I mean, I didn't get enough limit to to purchase $26,000 uh, on a card. So, and there's no one to call. There's no way to uh, get it bumped up that I could see. So I decided to uh, 
do a lease, a business lease for the system, instead of shelling out all the cash at the end of the year, which, you know, I probably need to pay my taxes with. So I, uh, I leased it. I waited two days for B&H to skew up the new machines. And I did the, did the lease paperwork mid-flight on uh, my way back from Alaska. And then I put the order in on the 13th. It says that, according to B&H, the machine, the Mac Pro at least, has shipped to them. I am expecting it this week, the first week of January. It may actually ship when I'm not here, which would be, you know, not great. But the displays are still uh, in limbo. No ETA on the displays. So I may have the machine hooked up with my regular LG 5K display. And that'll be a little bit of a disappointment. I'd love to have everything fired up as one system. But what can you do? I'm not a privileged blogger who got the machines delivered you know, in advance. And I don't know if you've watched any of those unboxings. I'm not going to call out specific bloggers. There was one blogger who decided because the pro system was in their hands that they would shoot their unboxing with three red cameras. Really? WTF. So if you want to laugh, go watch that. But I wasn't privileged. I'd love to have the whole system here at once. It's gonna sounds like it's gonna be piecemealed. I, I did check Apple's website. It looks like right now, if you just ordered a uh, XDR display, that it's gonna be six weeks. So I don't know where I am in that queue. I might have been outside of the first run of um, production. Hopefully, they'll ramp it up before six weeks. I'd like to get that system up and running before the end of January. It is funny, though, that my system was ordered on the 13th because I had to wait for B&H to get the SKUs in the system and to get the leasing done. Plus, I was traveling, coming uh, off a flight. So it took a couple of days to get that done. So I put the order in on the 13th, get home, have to start editing, finishing up some projects that are due. And, of course, my iMac Pro is acting funny. There's some issue I think with the GPU, it's it's using very high um, utilization of the memory, and it's not doing much. I might only have like mail running, and it seems like it's using sixty seven percent of the memory. So I have to track that down. It's it's been it's really been a long standing problem for me, but it's getting uh, worse. I have to reboot the system now to bring it down. So I feel like it's just karma that my iMac Pro knows that it's getting replaced and it's just going to fight me now until until I give it up. So that's something I'm looking forward to in uh, in January. This year also is going to be sort of a milestone for me with my United status. Uh, if all goes as planned, I will hit 1 million lifetime flight miles on United slash, you know, Continental, because that's when I started was Continental prior to the merger. So I should hit that before September, October of this year. That'll give me lifetime status as long as they don't change something. It, it'll be nice. It's just a milestone that I've been sort of watching from a distance. It's getting closer and closer. This year will be the realization of that. 
So one other thing that I need to do this year, and I don't really have a hard timeline for it, but I need to find a replacement for my Panasonic PX270. It's one of the small handheld P2 cameras. It's been a workhorse for me. I've been using it for years. It's the uh, older brother of the HPX200 and then the 250, and then they came out with the 270. It hasn't been updated in you know quite some time. The end of 2019, they launched a new camera, which I thought was the uh, successor to the 270. It's called the CX350. I was able to borrow a couple of cameras and do some testing. And I was really upset to find that one of the best features for me of the Panasonic P2 world is metadata. I love metadata. It's a big part of my workflow. But the CX350 does not support metadata, which is mind-boggling to me. And I don't understand it. Uh, I had a call and ask a couple of people inside Panasonic just to confirm that I wasn't missing something. And no, it, it does not do it. Don't know why. It's one of those things that they feel, hey, we leave out a feature that we've already built and, um, you know, that's it. Don't know why. So the camera is great. Pictures are great. Flexible. Rec records on regular SD memory cards. Size, weight, uh, battery life. Everything is great about it except the metadata. Now, could I live without it? I mean, I could. It makes it harder on the back end. On the, on the DIT, it makes it harder. and Just, you know... Not as efficient. So that's a little bit up in the air. I've been, you know, hearing some good things about the new Sony uh, FS9. So I'm going to look at that. Probably when I go to NAB in April, I'll be looking at options for cameras. But like I said, metadata for me is just an important part of my workflow. So I have to sort through that, decide maybe I just fix the 270 if it's reasonable and keep using it. Until they, you know, come up with a solution. Speaking about metadata, one of my other objectives for this year is just to try and work more efficiently using the technology that's out there. One of those pieces of technology that I've been kind of dancing with a little bit has been uh, this Lumberjack Systems. If you don't know, that's Philip Hodgetts. And it's basically a mobile logging system. You can use a phone, you can use an iPad, you can use a computer. But the idea is that you log on set and then you sync it with timestamps through their, uh, their web server and your footage after the fact. And you can then apply metadata, keyword ranges, things like that. And by the time you sit down to do your organization, you bring in the logging metadata, you've got a head start. And it's... The timing part of it, the, the way it syncs time is a little tricky for me. I do have to spend some time with uh, the DITs on my team to make sure that they know the process. But it is a part of my workflow I'm trying to speed up. By the time that footage is ingested, brought into Final Cut, I want you know not only the P2 metadata, which includes things like shooter, location, and maybe some specific 
subject matter metadata, but even more granular uh, metadata, like, you know, this is the first question that we asked. This is the second question we asked. On these these uh, golf events that I do so much of, we shoot interviews, and there's five questions that get asked. So it would be great that if I tagged the start and the end of each question, when the DIT brought that footage into Final Cut and sunk it with the Lumberjack system logging that I did, those ranges would already be marked and it would just save, again, a few minutes on every interview. But when you do, you know, maybe 32 interviews in a job and then you do 10 of those jobs a year, you're talking about real, real time. So I'm trying to improve my workflow, be as efficient as I can, you know, make best use of the technology that's out there. So those are things that I'm looking at uh, to make my my life easier, if you will. Other than that, I've got a bunch of work lined up. There's no rest here. I'm hitting the road again in a couple days for a West Coast trip. And then it's just nonstop, um, really all the way through December. And I'm happy about that. I don't complain about it. Appreciate the work. It's just there's no time for a fumble. Everything has to be on. Everything has to be dialed in. I did look at my calendar, and and one thing that I am looking forward to is I think the way that my schedule is looking with the shoots and the locations, I should be able to drive my production sprinter van to like 90% of the jobs, which just makes it easier to, you know, start and stop a job, don't have to worry about the airport nonsense with baggage and uh, time and lost pieces and all that headache that I've talked about so many times on this podcast. So the traveling will continue, but the gear will be driven to most of the events. This first event I'm doing is West Coast. And of course, that means loading it all on a plane. So that's all I got for this week. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. That was a lot of fun. It would be even better if you could add something to the conversation. Drop me an email at thisweekinproduction at gmail.com. Or even better, call our new TWIP voice mailbox and leave us a message. 601-564-TWIP. That's 601-564-8947. Also, A reminder that This Week in Production is available on all major podcast platforms, including Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play. So please subscribe to get every episode. Lastly, if you like what you hear, would you mind giving me a rating or a review? I'd appreciate that. Okay, that's a wrap on This Week in Production. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.